uh, everything um, kind, of, kind of comes together to fulfill what you want to do. So um, being patient and learn from people and just do one little action that will just propel you forward. So yeah. I think that's that's my advice, honestly. And to know that no, no impact is small impact if it's positive. Welcome. You're listening to the Young Changemakers podcast. In these episodes, your co-hosts, Sarah, George, and Anastasia, will be talking to passionate young individuals from around the world to explore how they are making lasting impact in their local communities. So cozy up, listen in, because inspiring stories are waiting to be heard and power lies within you. Okay, hello, Felista, and it's uh, such an exciting time to have you on the third season of the Young Changemakers podcast. Um, I've known you for about, what, three years now, I'd say, and um, I'm really excited for what we're going to be talking about and sharing today with the listeners. So welcome. Thank you, George, and thank you for inviting me. I mean, you're doing uh, an amazing work through this podcast, so I'm really happy to be part of it. Yeah, no, it's, I've been meaning to get you on on the podcast for a while. Um, so it's great, and um, so I'm I'm calling from uh, Australia, and Felista, she's on the other end of the world in uh, Kenya. So uh, hopefully we have some Kenyan listeners out there by now, because I know you've been an avid listener for some time. I'm sure you've been spreading spreading the news of how good the podcast is. So Bariako to all the Kenyans, and um, yeah, welcome to the third third season. So Felista, um. I mean, just to our listeners, can you give a bit more of an introduction to yourself and um, your main passions and, and what drives you? Um, so I uh, I come from uh, Kisi in Kenya. So it's a bit like um, six hours drive from Nairobi. Um, and uh, I... I work in, uh, I've been working in farming for the last four years, seriously. But before that, I was mainly in management and uh, a bit of psychology. Uh, that's what actually, that is my background. Um, but uh, as I grew up, of course, I got to love more about nature. I got to learn about um, the importance of our food and and, and the, the connections it has to every part of our lives. And really, I just... Um, wanted to get into it. So that's that's how, that's what I'm doing right now. And I have a, a big passion for youth because I think um, they are really, uh, they are the change makers that we need with, with the fresh ideas ready to, you know, adapt new things. Um, and also, mm. you know, uh, merge them with older things. So yeah, um, that's, I think my greatest passion is working with children and, and young people. Yeah. I know. So, Kissy, you grew up. Um, Kissy is quite a semi-regional um, and rural area. Did you feel? And you said you all your your family were teachers. Um, did you ever feel like you would end up? Because I know now you're you're doing a lot of sort of education through your work and sharing knowledge about sustainable food systems. Did you ever think that you'd come back towards that sort of education and teacher role? You know, that's quite interesting. I never really like intended to get into it, but somehow, I mean, like, I think seeing my parents, especially 
my parents work with children mostly. So um, seeing them doing this, I mean, naturally it got into me. So I remember when I was in college, I, I was looking for, you know, a part-time job in and the first thing that I thought of is to teach people English who couldn't speak English. So um, I think over time, I don't know how it's, um, I got into it, but I never intended to. I just, it's just something that um, came to me naturally. And yeah, for sure, I mm. think my background has something to do with it, for sure. <laughs> so you said you studied psychology. Um, where, whereabouts was that? Was that in, in Turkey, wasn't it? Yes, um, I studied at Istanbul Shahir University, so wow. it's in Istanbul. Yeah, in the uh, very very interesting place for sure, where like you meet people from everywhere. And yeah. I was lucky yeah. to be in in a place where um, you know a lot of expats live, and you know also to meet those international students really opened my mind to many things. But um, yes, I did uh, management and psychology there, and that's. Uh, that's what I have a degree in. Yeah. And then I remember you telling me that um, you had this experience of volunteering on a, on a permaculture farm. Where, whereabouts did you do that? And then that sort of changed your sort of future ambitions through that experience. Do you mind sharing a bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, the last uh, year of my, my undergrad, I actually like I, I just really didn't know what I wanted to do because um, I was in this city. I had done internships in like um, some companies in the city. Istanbul is quite big, quite busy, uh, and I I just felt like I needed a break. I needed to go and think. Um, so I there's this service online. Uh, they like they give opportunities. So it's called Wolf. I'm sure, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of it. Like it's a worldwide opportunities on organic farms. Yeah. And basically you go and volunteer um, for the duration you're there in the farm, but um, you get a lot of free time. So you'll get to learn about the farm, but at the same time you get a lot of free time in nature. And this particular one I went to was in Chanakale. So that's uh, quite a drive from Istanbul. Mm-hmm. And I intended to go there for two um for, for just two weeks. Um, the village, it's, it's, a, it's a big village, but mostly it's been affected by rural to urban migration. And most of the um, occupants are old people. So the particular place I went is like, was is called Yenikoi and it is formed by 20, um, they weren't so young, <laughs> they, had, they had gotten older, but uh, 20 people who are of course younger than the, the occupant, the, the residents there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had had very successful jobs in the city. I mean, they, they owned companies, they were big lawyers, and they just felt they needed a life away from all of that. So um, they bought a huge piece of land and made the eco-village, uh, designed it according to permaculture principles. So when I went there, it was the first time I had actually encountered a, a, a community that has is staying together not because they are born together or they they are part of a clan but they've intended to just live peacefully together and peacefully with the land so when i was there for two weeks i was like okay i didn't really feel like going back to the city uh i was really impressed by how self-sufficient they were how Mm. you know the only thing honestly they were buying is um salt and and sugar for some time when especially when they had like maybe workshops but like they sourced everything wheat um all their veggies uh they 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 had an olive farm so they you know they had their own oil and all of this for me that was like 
really fascinating wow. because as I grew up, I knew you you farm one or two things and you and maybe some vegetables and then you get everything else from the supermarket. So mm. um, that, that I think that's really made me think um, differently about about how we live in general. Okay. So you it sounds like you're quite aware that um, you know, they were all they all had the same value system and that's why they were able to get along and live together and then be able to grow their own food and be a bit more self-sufficient. Um, that's, that's really, it's pretty interesting also from a psychology point of view to know that like, you know, that they've all come under the sh same values and same belief system. And they thought that, you know, we can do this and set up this, you know, eco living village. And I've noticed that that's sort of, become a commonality around the world that a lot of people have sort of replicated that model. Um, so mm -hmm. Felista, you came back to Kenya um, and you've probably done various other things, but we're going to skip, skip ahead a fair bit. And then can you tell us about how you ended up at um, a Lolo farm and sort of your journey into that? Cause that's um, obviously where I've met you. <laughs> yeah um so i uh i was actually when i came back i was organizing courses around permaculture um and uh we met i met craig at one of the courses it was on vermiculture oh that's right i remember so, i was going to one of the worm farm courses with yeah. rob and then yeah. that's right yeah Sorry. Yeah, so that's how that's how we met. But uh, actually, one year later, uh, one year after that is when um, I had come here. I was I wanted to do something on the farm because I I was really like talking a lot about permaculture and and you know I didn't have an experience in running a farm, which is different. Like in Turkey, I mean it's different because I wasn't running or I wasn't really um, I was mainly a volunteer. You know, in in circumstances mm. here are different. So I really wanted to do something on the ground and. I had come to visit to see um, where Olelo is situated and what, what's being done here. And Craig told me like there's an opportunity for, you know, interns. Um, if I wanted to do an internship here, I could apply. So I did and I got it, thankfully. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how I came to Olelo, honestly. I mean, like it's 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 the same thing that really um, I really like that it is very open to young people and, and we continuously have like new interns. So yeah, that's how I came here. <laughs> No, and I think, um, yeah, because as we were running the farm, we were sort of trying to develop it on a system of, you know, sustainability um, and looking for people with similar values as us um, and developing that regenerative and organic farming model. So to find someone young and energetic like yourself, it's just um, been such a great, great journey and... Um, yeah, I'm so fortunate to have gotten to know you. Um, Felista, so I'm going to jump into some bigger and bold questions. Um, so obviously at Alolo Farm, can you share a bit more about um, the philosophy behind our production system there being regenerative and organic agriculture? Um, yes. Um, so... Uh, Ololo mainly uh, it aims to be a demonstration farm for um, good agricultural practices and mainly regenerative and organic, as you've said. Uh, but also we borrow 
what is good from different models. So I wouldn't really characterize Olelo as a permaculture farm or as strictly uh, an organic farm. Or So it is a lot of practices uh, from different agroecological um, models and uh the main uh the main the main vision is actually to sh to show like you know small-scale farmers they can produce what they need on the land they can improve their soils they can be um you know economically uh profitable but at the same time they can make sure that while they're doing that they're doing a whole lot of good to both people um in nature you know so mm. Um, just as, that is just to put it very generally, but uh, there's a lot more that goes on in the ground. Yeah, um, it's, it's difficult yeah. to paint the picture through the podcast, but um, yeah, and so I think that this model's working quite well because, I mean, in 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 Kenya we're seeing um, and across Africa and probably other developing, developing. nations we're seeing a lot of um urbanization and. Sort of migration towards these to the city to find work but um just from from you know being in kenya you notice that that doesn't always work um because the jobs aren't there so i mean me personally i think there's a great opportunity to sort of uh decentralize and go back to those sort of agrarian and rural livelihoods that once supported you know villages and and massive families um, so is that what you're also working on now through the sort of educational component? Um, yes, so I'll give you uh, an example of where I come from. Um, so over, over time, land has been subdivided. And, the, you know, like we are used to growing a few things in a, in a big piece of land. But when land is, is getting, you know, smaller and smaller, uh, people think of getting opportunities elsewhere. Now, I think Ololo actually is situated in a very good place where people have already come here. Like they've come to, to Nairobi. Uh, and it, when they visit, they, they're always like, wow, you're doing so much in, in such a small place. Like, uh, if I could, I could, I could do this back at my home, you know. So, mm. like the idea that people would come here, uh, they're already in Nairobi, they've already a bit kind of given up on, uh, you know, the lands that they have back at home. And when they come here, they have new ideas on how to use their land uh, efficiently, more efficiently and, and produce much more uh, with more diversity mm. than than we were thinking of before. Um, and like for, for home, I mean, like most people, they have a small veggie patch and then they, they have to grow maize to, to you know, cover their uh, needs um, mm -hmm. for the whole year twice a year they plant so um with when they see what we're doing i mean they, they think of like growing much more and um there's more sources of food you know um mm. maybe even thinking about changing their eating eating uh systems so yeah i mean like i'm hoping that uh i, I have we haven't measured of course yet we're still a very young farm but we haven't measured the impact we've had but i'm really hoping people are thinking of going back home and doing something especially if they don't have uh, good living conditions in in you know urban areas yeah for sure. yeah and that's that's what i think is so incredible about a lolo farm is that we're happy to have you know everyone walk around and and see the animals um, the rotational grazing, seeing the animals out in open pasture and seeing the mixed diversification of plants, 
and integration between livestock. Whereas most conventional farms, they close that front gate and they don't tend to, you know, let the urban dwellers come out and, you know, walk around. But that's what's been really great is to share the knowledge and you get people more interested in food again and understanding where they come from, where it comes from. Um, yeah. Could you share a bit more about the sort of like innovative or new ideas that you've work, worked on, like the worm farm and and the eggmobile and the practices that, that you've implemented? Um, so uh, one of the biggest, um, you know, ideas that drive us is creating a no-waste farm where all, all the nutrients uh, in the carbon in all the cycles and water cycles are complete, are, are, are in a complete loop, you know, and not mm. being wasted. And because of that, we are always looking for new ways to use any resources that are come out of Ololo. So um, I always, when I, when I take people around the farm, I always start with, you know, our, our garden, which is, you know, diverse uh it's organic so we ha we have had to put in different techniques uh of course companion planting in you know um rotating the crops uh of course and the, the 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 garden actually feeds um both the staff and visitors who are in, in the lodge who come to the lodge so the way we do our you know planning to make sure that there's continuous production all throughout the year um so and then we you know the plants have to eat something and they always tell them i'll come back to this later um we go to uh, our animal the paddocks and the these uh first thing is like we we ensure that we rotate our plants all over the land our our animals we mainly do poultry so we have uh broilers uh we have layers and uh we have ducks um so what the the chicken normally do is uh, we, we try to make all the animals actually work for their own food. So by rotating them over the land, they're able to feed the grass that, um, you know, that feeds them and to uh, provide an environment for the microbiology that is needed in the soil. Um, moving them every day also, you know, give, gives them access to fresh pastures. So, uh, and when they do their scratching and all of that, they're always spreading the manure. So they do a lot of work while they're feeding. And, you know, um, in the words of one of uh, the people who actually inspires us at the farm, uh, in terms of regenerative agriculture, he gives this uh, example of, um, you know, in nature where we're just next to the park. So um, where you see gazelles, I mean, they always like are together. They have, uh, of course, a predator that moves them around. I mean, they're always moving. They, they mm. uh, eat from a place, but at the same time they leave something behind as they move. And they only come back when they, that soil and the grass has been regenerated. The, the grass has grown. So never do they feed in one position, one place. Yeah, for a long time. And that's what we try to mimic. I mean, here, um, we, we have our animals there, especially uh, the broilers. They are enclosed in one paddock for uh, a, a period of time. So we keep them for us because we give them a bigger space. We keep them for one week. That is our old system, actually. And then we move them to new pastures every week. But now we have a new design where we move them every day. We move the broilers every day over the land. So they feed. Uh, so they're in one place in a very short time and they keep on moving on to new pastures. So this is really um, really what happens in nature and uh, the, the 
the animals are able to, you know, give the manure to the soil and let the microbes work on the manure, the insects, and um, ensure that everything, uh, you know, gets back, actually becomes better, like in terms of the quality of the soil and the grass. Mm. And it takes a long time, grains for a short time, and leave it to, you know, um, regenerate over a longer period of time before you bring the animals back to the same piece of land. So, yeah, uh, we, 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 uh, we mimic nature in that manner. And that's something that you'll see also um, for our layers, we have, we call it an egg mobile and it's also moved uh, very frequently. So um, they're able to feed in an area, uh, they get uh, really good nutrients because our eggs, we've have we've had really good feedback from our eggs. I mean, um, because of the quality, the, the color, um, of course the taste, the, we, we, we are being told like the taste is eggier. That's, that's the mm. description people are giving it. <laughs> yeah, eggier than other eggs. So, um, yeah. Um, and uh, George, another thing that we do, I mean, that we mix nature, I mean, I always ask people if they remember when we were young, I mean, we could, when you, when you go to, to the farm, you would find so many things in the soil. I mean, so many moving things, so many critters. But um, as we grew up, I mean, uh, we've lost them. And one of the main ones is earthworms. And that's actually a sign, normally a sign that your soil is, is doing great. That's one of the problems we're having here in Kenya, that we're losing earthworms in the soil. You know, mm. we, we can't find them. We can't find them. And, and we know that um, earthworms, apart from aerating the soil, um, when they eat inorganic matter in the soil, what comes out is really rich compost, completely done. Uh, the vermicasts are um, one of the best sources of different microbiology that you can add to the soil, which is actually what plants need, nah, not not um, not fertilizers. So uh, to mimic that, uh, we we do vermiculture here. Uh, it's one of my favorite things actually on the farm, mm. and uh, we both use it as a way of producing really rich, um, you know, organic compost to uh, for our plants and for our soils. Um, but also we use it as a waste recycling method because they eat any organic material. They eat, uh, they eat uh, from, you know, from manure to um, dry leaves to, you know, all your uh, kitchen waste, to cardboard and paper waste. So they're really good at turning that into something that um, can save you a lot of money from buying, you know, fertilizer. Hi there. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. There's a lot more that we can do. The Global Change Makers mission is to support youth to create positive change towards more inclusive, fair and sustainable communities. We do this by providing skills development, capacity building, mentoring and grants. Head to our website, globalchangemakers.net to learn more. Now, on with the rest of the episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's... It's um. I think it's the the way you can describe it is like you're you're harnessing nature and you're letting it sort of self organize itself and give back to the soil, and then with a healthier soil, in turn you'll have um, healthier animals and more nutrient dense food. So I guess that's why a lot of the people buying um the produce and such as the the eggs they're they're saying that eggs taste more eggy but it's so true because you know a lot of the the food you conventional food that you buy um you know it doesn't you it's lacking that um you know the diversity 
and as a result the minerals and sort of the nutrient density of the food is lost a common um felister like a common argument now is that everyone's saying that sort of regenerative and organic organic agriculture it'll never feed the world you know we're going to have 9.7 billion people by 2050 do you do you have an answer to that question or that statement uh yes george i mean uh, um the actually the the reason i mean this kind of agriculture is because i strongly believe it's the way forward and probably very soon the the only way forward um already i mean like we have we have um voices from different uh, people and uh, who are who are in into this matter and the louder voices are normally from you know um larger farms larger um you know corporations but not mainly from those who produce most of our food and those who can be trained to produce even more food from the piece of land they have and those are the mm. small scale farmers so um if we had a whole picture um if we if we did all the voices uh from you know from um top to down uh all around i mean i think then we'd have a more realistic picture right now uh, it really just depends on um who is speaking the loudest uh mm. i definitely think that i know people actually produce more when they start farming organic and start using regenerative methods they they, they produce much more from a piece of land um and they farm all year round so it's just not seasonal uh especially the, uh when they've been doing this like uh doing monocultures or just planting few things but um if you do a, a good model if you do a good design you can produce all year round that means you're producing more food the food is also local um really depending on local resources so the expenses are are, are not so much as compared mm. to you know um depending on you know agriculture imports i mean one thing is for sure even if everyone like um you know you know governance of how that food is going to be distributed um and um there needs to be local especially for kenya i would say there needs to be local um governance systems that ensure whatever food is produced locally is you mm. know distributed along that local region so if um if, if like now we depend on other counties like we always have to you know export maize from one county and receive vegetables from another one if we create a system where things are in, produced in close proximity then we need to find to make sure that it moves within that locality i mean yeah definitely definitely there's there's work to be done for 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 uh, regenerative agriculture to feed the world but it is possible we just we just yeah. really need to make it urgent and i think that ties in nicely like how you know a lot of our biggest issues uh we're having a global you know health crisis um you know from extreme obesity to extreme undernourishment um like the double burden of malnutrition and maybe you could explain a bit more about how this transitions into you know awareness of adequate eating practices and proper nutrition and your work um felista with maureen mukefa who i um had on the on the podcast and our last season and she's other another um 
young change maker? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's it's uh, quite interesting um, how education works. I mean, once we once we have someone coming into the farm, and you just talk a bit about like what food is and how it should be produced and it's how it's being produced. You know, people are looking for more and they're wondering how what can we do. I mean, how can we um, you know, produce, either get good food, produce, you know, they immediately see the benefits. And then when you tie it in with uh, nutrition education, um, it makes a whole more uh, difference. People get into action. So uh, of late, I mean, we have gotten really interested in educating our uh, community about nutrition. And uh, there's a lot of myths. I mean, uh, people really believe a lot in uh, different things. They, they, why you should be eating a lot of red meat because it gives you good blood. You know, uh, they don't know the amounts of foods that they should be eating. How food relates to um, the workings of your body, uh, different diseases. Um, how it can, it can help you to manage even diseases. So, uh, mm. bringing in a, a, a nutritionist, Maureen has been really excellent. What we did is. We started with um, our staff because we always believe we should start where we are. We need to educate ourselves first. So mainly we brought um, we are, uh, families of the staff and they would stay at the lodge uh, for three days. Um, they would get the workshop, mainly the adults. Okay, the adults and children are getting two different workshops, of course, because of the uh, level of engagement that you need to have with children. And um, then they you know, we'd go through the farm and we would talk about, you know, the different groups of food and, and how they relate uh, to, you know, our nutrition. Um, yeah. Over the over the whole period, we also show videos, movies, so it's a three-day workshop. Uh, they also, um, you know, the kids get to go into the kitchen and cook food and, you know, learn the basics of ensuring that when you're cooking, food is not overcooked. All right. Okay, so... Um, giving them and uh the actually the last component i was talking about is uh you know mm, teaching them about tree planting so uh, one exciting activity is uh, all the families get to plant a tree and you know it is written like if it's uh you know peter listicke's family you know um any there's um there's that uh whole uh, feeling when people plant trees and it's something we just realized especially in the last one um, oh, wow. and, and, and an interesting thing is that when planting trees one, one thing we've noticed is um, some, a lot of the participants actually say that they haven't planted a tree by themselves they've never planted a tree um, and this this you know it's something that we didn't expect. We thought at least everyone has planted a tree in their lifetime. Yeah. But um, so this whole workshop, um, it gives kind of a holistic um, overview of, you know, how regenerative systems should be working. And it's not just um, in farming. Uh, it's it's the whole food system. Uh, it's mm. social, it's economic, it's it cuts really through and, 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 you know, having those families here, I mean, that's, that's part of what we, we like, I mean, from permaculture, it's, it's sharing our knowledge, it's part of fair share. So creating that community and, you know, hearing kids say, um, you know, that like, um, it's been three hours, I haven't drunk water, I was told I should drink water after every three hours. 
uh, it's really it's it's exciting. Um, yeah. Wow. And you know, going people going home and planting yeah. different herbs and 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 uh, you know taking herbs with them to go and plant. Um, it's amazing, really, George. Uh, so we we are getting new opportunities um, to to tie in you know the knowledge we have into the community. Uh, and that's that's one of the main objectives of Ololo is to share our knowledge, to to spread um, what we find out, what is working for us to to help people adopt it. So mm. yeah, that's incredible. And I think just being the the action of planting a tree is so important for for Kenya because I mean a lot a lot of people chop down trees for charcoal um so yeah and knowledge is so powerful as we all know and just yeah sharing and through storytelling and practical examples it's incredible um Felista you're you're like a, a big advocate for the SDGs um and I know Lolo Farm is now part of the the UN United Nations Global Compact could you share a bit more about that um, yeah, um, so just a, a bit about uh, UNGC, UN Global Compact Initiative. Um, it's actually an initiative to involve uh, businesses in, um, you know, taking forward the SDGs. And uh, it's a commitment uh, in four areas. So uh, it's about human rights, uh, environment, labor, and anti-corruption. And mm-hmm. um, the reason actually uh we we really liked joining is because it gives it's voluntary but at the same time it gives you a way of integrating the sdgs in every part of of your business and they really support you we we believe that it's the contribution of you know everyone and especially now in 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 companies and businesses to to you know to help like move towards like you know the goals that have been set we believe in the goals they're very essential Mm. so for agriculture it cuts across so many of the sdgs and um just like uh, very recently we 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 enrolled in the young uh, sdg innovators program that uh ungc is offering and we have a team from ololo who are going like we're going to you know attend together and we've entered uh different projects including our soil improvement program um our trees for life program um there's the nutrition program also so basically education um and of course the the um how we raise our plants, organic farming. So all these projects, because they, we need to show that uh, we're creating impact, and this mm-hmm. is what they're going to help us to do, like to measure uh, what like, the the impact that we're making on our soils. You know, make mm-hmm. it really purposeful. Yeah, I think so. Spot on, Felista. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's to yourself and um, every single business, every single work can create an impact towards achieving the SDGs um, in, 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 you know, global compact actually helps in, you know, uh, um, aligning your, yeah. yours with that the sa- SDGs. It sounds like a really great network to be a part of. But going back to how, um, yeah, I'd just like to comment on how agriculture sort of touches on or sort of achieves a lot of the SDGs. Um, 
it's really powerful because agri- conventional agriculture for so long has been like a culprit and contributor to a lot of the problems we face, soil degradation, um, erosion, and yeah, damage to the environment. But now like this new system of regenerative and organic agriculture and building soil health and looking after the animals, as you've been explaining, Felicity, it's now like provides such an opportunity to sort of regenerate our landscapes and also create more awareness around the importance of eating healthy. So, yeah, it's really, I mean, I'm excited about it and I know I know you are because I remember uh, meeting this guest who you took around the farm once, Felista, on a farm tour. And she said that, that Felista, she's incredible. The passion in her eyes is like no one I've ever seen. So I think that's a real testament to the work that you're doing. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's impact on others. It's, it's, it's exciting. And you're definitely creating a, a ripple effect, I'd say. Um, yeah, thanks. I mean, George, it's uh, actually I can say I'm I'm really lucky to to be in a place where um, that inspiration comes every day. You know, uh, there's there's that vision, and and over time you're seeing you know new ideas on how to reach it. You know, so um, and, and it's a shared thing. It's a shared vision here. So uh, I w- I would really say being being lacking at being you know being at the right place um at this time especially um is has been quite inspiring and um just to be able you know like i think farm are my favorite because then you you show what's happening you show Mm. what's happening and and when you see people getting excited about it you you get even more excited yourself so um yeah yeah Uh, i'm really happy to be at the right place right now so, Felicity, like, um, you've found, like, a real passion of yours and um, yeah, there's obviously a lot more to be done. But do you have any sort of advice to maybe some other young people out there who um, – it's just one of the questions we tend to ask is if you have any advice on how people could may- maybe start to tackle an issue or solve a problem that they're, they care about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the for me what worked is um, just trying to learn from different people. Um, first of all, take time to learn, take time to to see if there's anyone else who's who's solving the problem that um, you are. Attach them, attach, attach yourself with them a bit. I mean, learning from people has uh, been the most resourceful thing I've done. Um, and and begin. I mean. Some people are, are, you know, good at at doing stuff immediately, and some are, are good with something that you can inform people about. Um, just start talking, you know. Um, and the moment you start, um, George, I, I don't know if you I think you you might have gotten this also because uh, I've been following uh, what you do. The moment you actually start, um, everything just moves forward, connecting. Mm. Uh, everything um, kind kind of comes together to fulfill what you want to do. So. Um, being patient and learn from people and just do one little action that will just propel you forward. So yeah. I think that's that's my advice, honestly. And to know that no, no impact is small impact if it's positive. Um, and then that just creates a huge wave of energy. And uh, like, yeah, being a part of the Global Changemakers Network, 
has been exactly that. Um, so yeah, for Lister, unfortunately, that's probably all we've got time for today. But it's been such a, a pleasure and I've really enjoyed sharing the work that you do at Alolo Farm. And um, yeah, I hope you have a good rest of the week and I look forward to catching up. Thanks, George. Uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to talking soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember to help us create a greater impact by sharing this and encouraging everyone on your social media to take a listen. If you want to reach out, you can contact the hosts via podcast at global-changemakers.net or feel free to message us on Instagram at globalchangemakers and Twitter at wearegcm. We'll be very happy to talk to you and answer any questions. Remember to follow us and subscribe to this podcast. See you in the next episode. Take care.